You are listening to the Echo Church Podcast, and we are on a mission of rescue and restoration into a vibrant and fulfilled life. Y'all better get ready because today's conversation is super special to me personally, and it is my honor to be able to share it with you. I had the opportunity to sit down with one of my favorite human beings, Carrie Garcia. She has become a dear friend to me, and she has poured into us at Echo within our staff and our leadership. And Carrie is not only a pastor, she's a life coach, she's an author and a CEO. And when I think of Carrie Garcia, I think of freedom and I think of hope. And her heart to help people in the process of full healing and restoration inspires me, and I know it will inspire you. So buckle up and get ready to listen to a phenomenal conversation between myself and Carrie as we unpack what redefining hope means to her. When you hear the word hope, what does it mean to you or what do you think of immediately? For me, hope is guttural. Hope is not something that's in the clouds. It's not, I think probably years ago, I think hope would have felt like a light word. It would have felt like wishful thinking. I hope this works out, fingers crossed. But as I dove into the scriptures and really began to see what hope really is, at least through biblical hope. Yeah, hope is kind of this place that rises in the midst of really, of pain, of guttural places where I don't hope based on something that I'm wishing for. I hope based on something that I know. So kind of by definition and how I see hope is, is like hope is a memory of the future. It's a memory of what we know will come. And I kind of see it like hope is this defiance to hold to the coming kingdom despite what we see today. Mm -hmm. So even though we are in the midst of chaos and heartbreak, there's this defiance that hope, that biblical hope brings to hold to the coming kingdom despite what is happening around us. So yeah, it's this, this guttural place that has risen from pain would be probably how I would define that for me. Like looking at your current scenario, if you could unpack 2020 in a nutshell of how has hope, has hope been redefined in your life, even in the past season or this past year, or even anything that you have that has risen to the surface with even just environmental changes or, you know, like I know you, I know a little of your story of just even seeing what has happened in 2020. But if you were talking to someone, do you feel like it's shifted or your perspective has changed this year alone when you think of the word hope? I think because I've done a lot of work around this coming into 2020, I I don't want to minimize that it has been a really painful process for people and year for people. And yet I think because I've done so much of this work previous coming into 2020, I came in with a real understanding that COVID or political unrest, all of this really wasn't like, oh my gosh, this has really changed people. I think what it has done is really revealed where the state of people really, where their heart really is. Meaning that 
this time and this season has stripped away so many coping mechanisms and it has caused us to have to come face to face with real fears and anxieties and pains. And we don't have a lot of ways to numb it as we used to that were socially acceptable, like being busy or climbing the corporate ladder or even getting accolades from your boss or the stage or whatever. We can numb it in other ways. Obviously, there's, you know, addiction is just skyrocketing right now because those other tools that were there are now gone. So it's like, man, I just want to numb this. So I would say that for me, I have more hope now than I ever have because I get, we're getting to deal with the real thing. Like my heart has always been, look, we have to get honest about what's really going on in our life so that the power of God can infiltrate the places that we have stuffed and compartmentalized and pretended aren't there. And now so much has been stripped away that that God is going, now I'm going to deal with the heart of man. And dealing with the heart of man is always going to be where transformation lies. But we don't like that because it's painful. But hope rises in pain. And without God, pain moves us to despair. It moves us to shame. It moves us to despair. But pain in the hands of God um, and grieving in the hands of God actually produces hope. It, it lets hope rise. It's kind of like when I when when we celebrate a church, you know, we celebrate Easter. It's like our it, it's like our big, you know, it's our Super Bowl, you know. And yet we don't spend a lot of time on Friday. We've even you know, it's Good Friday now when it's anything but good. It's it's torturous and it's. It's only good because we know that in death, God rose. But the problem is, is we want to bypass the places of heartache and grief and hurt and deathful places, dying to the places that we're holding so tightly to that need to be released so that we can rise, so that we can resurrect from the ashes. But there, there has to be that acknowledgement that Friday has to come before Sunday. And I believe that that's biblical. That's part of biblical hope is acknowledging that, you know, we have to, to touch into death places. And, and I think in, in much, that's a lot of what 2020 is doing. It's making us have to face off very death-like places. And although painful, I believe in the hands of God, this is where, this is where hope will resurrect. Mm -hmm. That's good. I love the line that you said in regards to hope. Hope is like, you know, like I had listened to a message earlier that you had shared where you said faith grounds us and hope propels us. Can you unpack that a little bit? Yeah. You know, I've, I've really been sitting in a lot of the idea of faith and hope. They're kind of like twins. They work together, but they really are like faith remembers. Faith is always calling us to remember what was done. And that is what grounds us. When the world is chaotic, faith is the place we go to to ground us. But hope being that the sister of that, the twin sister where they work really well together, hope, you can't have hope without faith, but you also can't have faith without hope, you know? And so defining that is to really understand that when hope propels us forward, it's because we've been grounded in faith, knowing what God did for us so that we can have a memory of what God is going to do. And that, you know, I know that kind of sounds like a little bit, you know, 
Augustinian or something, but like there really is this concept of understanding the depths of hope that hope is not wishful thinking that not, it, it is not just, I just hope it works out. No, it does work out because hope is based on what we know, not what we feel. Mm-hmm. It, it, we remember what Christ did so we can have a memory of what he will do. Mm-hmm. And, and so this is a very powerful thing that takes us out of our heads and into our gut. Like when the world is spinning, I just hope, I just hope the election goes the way I want it to. I just, I just hope we can stop wearing masks or I hope we can wear masks forever or whatever it is. And, and we move into our head but God is wanting to take us into the depths of our heart where hope begins to heal and transform our hearts so that the things that are spinning around us don't rock us. Mm-hmm. So, so faith grounds us, hope propels us. Yeah, I think that's, does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. I think about, I was in reflection and prayer this morning and I hadn't told you this earlier, but two years ago today was one of the worst days of my life where Andy and I had gotten an answer that we didn't want. Mm-hmm. And we were in this major, we, we started our day as a normal day and we ended that day with, oh my word, what are we going to do with our life? And I had actually texted you while I was jumping on a plane, like it would have been tomorrow, two years ago tomorrow, jumping on a plane to go on a vacation with my family And I think back to when I was at my rock bottom, when I was at my low point where I felt rejection, I felt like my whole core was rocked. I was asking myself, who am I? What is my worth? What is our future? You know, all of these things, I felt I was feeling a lot of negative thoughts. I was feeling lack of hope. I was feeling broken and I was sitting in that pain, sitting in that grief, shock, and, but I kept saying lines to myself, to God. I kept telling Andy, I know God has a future for us. I know God is not done with us. I know there's a new beginning. I know that we're called, we're equipped, we're, we are to be sent out. And it's like, those are the things that I kept. It's that faith of like, I know, and God has get, walked me through all these things already. And then it was this hope of like, I don't feel these things right now, but I'm going to cling to what I don't know. And I'm not going to quit and I'm not going to give up, but I'm going to, but I had to walk through, not around all that pain, all that like just turmoil. Mm -hmm. And you know, when you're going through some of the darkest days, you don't know how many days it's going to be. You don't know when, when you're going to wake up with that fresh perspective or when you get to turn the page and you feel like you've overcome or, you know, like you just feel that release of, even just the pressure, I feel like a pressure cooker was, that's what it felt like at the time. And I just knew like, okay, this is, and this is what I see so many times in people and I'm not dismissing it because I think it's really hard, but it's when you go through those type of circumstances, it was like, okay, God, now is the time where I apply everything I know and everything you've taught me. And I apply my faith and I apply my, what hope is and what my foundation is. And I just think we can take for granted, even in the year that we're in right now, of an umbrella of what you said we feel like was a covering or protection. And now I feel like we're just in this storm and we're getting smacked with rain and hail and all the things and wind, but God is still God. Mm-hmm. And so when you say that, I just think like that is exactly what I've had the opportunity and the blessing to experience 
is when faith has grounded me and in, in literally I'm on my knees on the ground and then that, it propels me to not quit. Right. And it's supernatural. I mean, these aren't things that we can really muster up ourselves and our feeble, fragile hearts. You know, we, we don't have enough faith or enough hope to get us through the day. We need a supernatural exchange, but that exchange can't happen unless we're honest about where we truly are. So I am in need. I am desperate for you, God. My belly, like the prodigal is hungry. I need to come to my father. And so there is in God's love for us, whatever's happening in our world, will we see it as an opportunity to reveal the places of our bellies that are so hungry and so in need? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear. That doesn't mean that fear is not there. He's saying you don't have to fear because fear is there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's, he's encouraging and bringing comfort to saying you don't have to fear because I am with you. But we can't get to the other side We can't get to the place where supernatural hope can rise until we are honest about the death places that we're in. And that is, I think, a misstep if we as the church, as body of Christ, as believers, or those of you that are listening that aren't believers, that that you know that this is not for you to fix. This is not for you to heal. This is not you need to have you know, more faith or suck it up. Or, you know, if you could just read your Bible more, no, this is a death valley we are in. And we need to acknowledge that both globally and personally. And when we're able to do that, it brings about the heart of repentance, the heart of openness that says, man, I am hungry. It is in those places that faith God brings to your mind what he has done for you. Just like you said on that plane, he began, all of a sudden you got memories of time and time again that God has been with you. Pray for those memories right now. Pray Mm -hmm. for those memories. God, I need to remember his supernatural Holy Spirit will help you remember. But then something begins to happen in the midst of holding the pain and the disruption because hope is disruptive. Hope is disruptive. It disrupts what's going on. When you say there's a storm and we think, man, there's a storm going around us, but the purpose of the storm is to bring up the bottom and to reveal what has been covered. There is purpose in this storm. There's not, and I don't mean to tritely say there's purpose in your pain, you know, live your testimony or whatever. (laughs) That's dumb. But Mm -hmm. what there is, is knowing that when there is a storm, what is God doing? God is always revealing what is hidden, what the enemy has, you know, just don't worry about that. Forget about that. He's stirring it up because he knows that it is in this place that hope will rise. It can't not when we are honest and when we bring that before the Lord openly and honestly um, about where we are. Faith grounds us, hope propels us. It's supernatural. So if you were having a conversation with someone that's listening right now who feels like they are in the valley or like it's death and they don't have hope, is there tools or just take away? Cause I like the concept is there. The truth is there. What God says, but I feel like I see so often people get stuck. They get stuck in like the weeds of it, of like, I don't know how to get through this, or I don't know how to overcome or to experience that true freedom to get, you know, on the other side. Is there anything that has helped you shape you, lead you, guide you to get through 
you know, just those death experiences? Nobody likes this answer. And I've tried every answer to get around this answer. And out of 25 years of studying this and 46 years of being on this planet, I will tell you, this is the only way. This is the only way you're going to find comfort. And it's in this one word, honesty. You cannot move in with the Lord and invite him into death places unless you are honest about what happened, Mm -hmm. what's going on, where you really are. I think if you were to look at scripture, you look at first Kings chapter 19 and you can see Elijah crying out to God, not in a way that's like, Oh Lord, I trust you. It's in a way like I'm kind of done, like not kind of done. Like I want to die. And there's just honesty in that. Look at how the father responds. He doesn't shame him. He feeds him, actually feeds him cake because God's a good God. Cake is good when you're sad. And he feeds him cake twice. And then he begins to minister to his heart. And so I would begin to say that in this season, there is an opportunity for you to go, okay, God, Psalms 139, 24, I think. It's the very last verse in that chapter. It just says, search me and know me and show me the anxious way in me. I need to know because if I don't know, then I can't name it. But help me name it. Help me get honest with it because it's in this place that God does his most supernatural. He goes, now I can work. Now I can come in and I can begin to help help you. We say that the truth sets us free, but the honest place is, is that we don't really want to face the truth because the truth is painful. It comes, we've survived so much. And to name some of those truthful places are really painful. And yet that is where healing is. That's where Holy Spirit comforts. That's where hope rises. It hope comes like your pain produces this calling, this hell no, not on my watch. And it comes from the painful places. That's the hope. Christy, it's why you and Andy are doing the church that you're doing. Because in the midst of your pain, something grew inside you that said, hell no, not on my watch. We are going to have a church that is going to love people. That's going to let them know. That didn't come from just some victory thought. That came from a deep place in your gut of pain and tasting the rejection and the pain. And something grew because it exchanged in the hands of God. And it began to say, nope. Echo Church was formed and came from the gut of you and Andy and the pain you experienced. And now it has tasted goodness for you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's hope. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's great. And I love... I know the, ex- the exchange, that word is a big word for you too, but I just love, I'm visual. And I just think of like, I give God my pain. He exchanges it for something else. And it's just constant. I think so often people look at Christianity as like, oh, you have to give up so much or the sacrifice. And it's just like, it is this beautiful exchange that God has so much for us and what I have experienced and gained on the other side. And then it makes, but you still remember it. And that's where you go back. It's like, it propels me forward, but I never want to forget what I've walked through, you know, and just like blowing it off and shutting it down. It's like I face it every day. I love that. Yeah. It's forged the cavern in which your story has erupted into goodness. Mm -hmm. So we don't want to forget those beautiful streams of story that has forged our life, you know? And so it's, 
It's a, it's a beautiful thing and a painful thing. Can we hold beauty and brokenness in the same breath? Oh, we sure can because Jesus did. Mm-hmm. It's the trueness of our humanity meeting deity here on earth. So just like looking at the world right now, is have you noticed any incline? I know for me, I feel like statistically and just numbers are through the roof right now when I look at emotional health, mental wellness regarding just anxiety, depression, fear, suicidal thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you noticed anything? Yeah. Well, we, I mean, we see this statistically, like the numbers are astronomical and a lot of what we do at freedom movement works with a lot of people that are just struggling and they look just like me and you, by the way, they're, you know, it's not just some addict on the street, you know, living under a bridge, although let's, let's love them as well. But this is everyday people. Um, anxiety is a buzzword now. Like, I mean, there's young kids are like, Oh, I'm diagnosed anxiety. Um, I'm diagnosed depression, um, depression, anxiety. And, um, again, it's kind of back to what I said about coping mechanisms. You know, we have become a disconnected society. We are the most connected society we've ever been. And yet we are the most disconnected we've ever been. So my son, who's 15, who we just moved to Illinois, he's meeting with a bunch of kids. They're all in the basement and he comes up to sit with us. And I'm like, what's going on? Like Ryder has never come to sit with us. The adults never. I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, they're all on their phones. Like I can't even talk to them. And and this isn't a, a bag on phones, but the point is, is that he, he doesn't, he can't even make relationships because the kids are all playing poker on their phones while they're all sitting in the room together. I think this is really indicative. And again, like this is about this idea of like getting back to how we were created. If we are not connecting and we are not, you know, vulnerable and yet we feel false counterfeit connection, our body is going to respond. It is going to become anxious. It's because anxiety is letting you know, it's like a blinking light that's saying, Hey, there's something deeper going on, you know, and statistically depression and anxiety are situational. I mean, oftentimes people do have it chemically in their brain. The statistics of that are really low and you can look that up. They're really low. So we have situational anxiety and depression. And that means that socially, we have to look at us as a whole. And this is obviously a larger conversation, but how can we begin? I'm so thankful that Echo Church is meeting and, you know, wear the mask, do what you need to do, meet. That's more important than anything else because your body was wired for connection. Your body was wired for biblical community, for someone to hold space for your heart, not to fix you. That's God's job. But to truly say, I want to hear what's going on in your heart. Now you have to earn the right to get there to someone's heart, but earn the right. Take them out to coffee, get to know them, ask people questions. You don't care, care about someone. And so I would just say like, we can't handle the whole of mental health right now. And we can't handle the whole of changing societal norms. What we can begin to do is instead of meeting, uh, you know, in such a distant, disconnected way, what do our tables look like? 
What do our gatherings look like? What does biblical community look like? It is in this place, again, back to hope, that hope will rise. People begin to have hope when they're seen and they're known and they are held accountable, not accountable in the way we might've been raised in accountability, but the accountability that says, I wanna hear your voice. Your voice matters. What matters to you is mattering to me. I think we can start to curb a lot of these statistical societal becoming norms if we begin to hold space for the human heart. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do see that as an issue. You know, one of my passions is mental health because of my own story. Again, hope rises from pain. So my hell no, not on my watch is going to come from the painful parts of my story. And mental health is a lot of that. But I think we just need to look at it as the body of Christ. How are we holding space for the human heart? How do we engage and not with questions that fix, but questions that want curiosity that want to care, like, I, I, don't, I, I might not agree with what your life looks like, but I don't even know your story. How did you even get here? You know, and that begins the process of bringing what is societally so big and so overwhelming, and it brings it to a name and a face. And I've seen it happen time and time again. I'm no longer struggling with anxiety. I know it in my own life. As people held space for me, my panic attacks are almost gone. My lulls in depression are, are short-lived. And I have a community when I, when I am struggling to reach out. We need to do this better, church. We need to do this better. That's great. I love that. And I do think the human connection aspect is so vital. I know for me that when we weren't meeting and... I was, you know, we went about three months not meeting even physically as a team. Like it affects you, that connection point of just checking in with people and, and seeing people, the being seen and the seeing other people. And I think a lot of times for me, what helps me too is like, yes, focusing inward on myself, but sometimes it's getting out of my own head or out of my own way. And like, what can I do for someone else? Or what, even just the power of like serving or doing something in the community, or even, I don't feel like I want to do this right now, but I'm going to do it anyways, because I know it's good for me. And I think that that also is hope of, I think of all the things I do for my kids when I necessarily don't want to do it, but I love them. And it's, I think that God wants us to live in that way every single day with, in regards to just showing up. Like sometimes it's me physically just showing up. It's my presence. I'm here. <laughs> And sometimes that's how I enter a room. I'm here. Like I've arrived. Right. You know, do you know what I just went through to get here? You know, but I think that God sees that. And it's like, yes, Christy, like, and it's kicking habits. It's kicking my feelings, but voicing it too. You know, like I feel like this, but I know this. Right. And I just think of looking to the word. Like I love doing word studies in the Bible of where is hope brought up in the Bible? I'm going to look at every single verse or where is faith brought up or where is love or where is forgiveness or surrender? And I just think that there's so much goodness in the Bible, Mm. uh, just taking those stories and applying it to our life, taking those verses and looking through like the death to life concepts. What is God trying to show us and teach us? When you look at the Bible, is there certain aspects or stories where when you think of hope within just scripture or just what God says, just as we even wrap up this conversation that has stood out to you in your own journey or your own story. 
Yeah, there's, I can't remember the reference, but it says, and I'm going to paraphrase this and, and I, can, I can send it to you, but it just, the Bible says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Mm-hmm. And, and I just, I feel like we all feel really sick. We, like, we understand that word. I mean, we understand it physically because of what's going on in our country, well, the world, but we understand it like, like in this deep guttural level, like there's, like, I'm not okay. I'm just not okay. And I just want to like meet someone there and going, when hope is deferred, when it's put to the side, when it's not engaged and remember like hope has to rise out of painful places. When it's not engaged, it makes you sick. And we should be a healing church. Mm-hmm. We should be a place where hope is present. And if we believe that through every story I see in scripture, Jesus included, hope rose in the midst of pain, then how are we going to hold that for the church? How are we going to hold that for individuals that come to our table, that we meet on the baseball field, that we interact with, that we bring on a Sunday morning? How are we going to not let hope be deferred? Because sickness is rampant. And the antidote to that is hope. It's hope. And so that would be a scripture that I would see. I mean, there's tons of scripture. I did write, I want to share it with you guys. Um, and you can, you guys can keep it or leave it. Yeah. But I'm going to read it to you. It's super short. Um, but I just wrote this idea kind of about hope. And I'll read it to you. It says hope. A word that brings longing to what will be. A word that Jesus uses to describe his very self. To live with hope is to defiantly hold to the coming kingdom despite what we see today. We hope not just for the future, but for the future to invade our every day. As we collectively hold to hope, we will let hope rise from the ashes of our own story to tell of the story of how our broken lives are being made beautiful in the story of Jesus. As faith grounds us, hope propels us. Hope is disruptive as it shakes up the current circumstances and offers a new way. Hope is defiant, standing strong against the oppression of another. Hope is persevering when life is raging against us. Hope stands firm. Hope plays and dreams and creates. It ignites within us the very purposes we were created to fulfill. We bear the hope of the coming kingdom. We are. Hope. So I think just for me, that kind of sums up the definitions of hope, but it's, it's not from, it's not from wishful thinking, Mm -hmm. the hope and my hell no, not on my watch, you know, things in my life have come from pain, but they have supernaturally been exchanged and they've been put in the hands of God. And it's healed me. It's healed parts of me that I thought could never be healed. I thought I would forever be a diagnosis. And I'm, I'm healing. I'm healing. And hope has done that. Christ-filled biblical hope. That's so good. I just, I love that I'm not okay. When I think of my I'm not okay moments, they're the biggest moments of my life that have shifted me. And it is, it's that coming in with our mess, coming in with our pain, and it's those breaking points. And then it's allowing God and allowing the Holy Spirit to just invade my soul invade my heart. And that's when the work it's like, I feel like the work starts in me and where God can orchestrate and lead me, you know, to the next step, next season and next truth even. But I do think it's like, I don't think 
we should ever minimize the simplicity of I'm not okay, or I need hope, or I'm broken, or I'm feeling this. And I, I love that. I think that's great. Thank you for sharing all that with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've loved it. I love Echo Church so much. I can't wait to come and visit you guys in person. Amen. Can't wait to have you. Thank you, Carrie. Of course. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode. If you have any questions or prayer requests, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at hey at we are the echo dot church. Mm-hmm.